Hello and welcome to Revolutionary Ideas, the monthly Marxist podcast from Socialist Alternative. In this episode, we'll be asking how should socialists approach the question of national oppression, from the Kurds in the Middle East to the Uyghur minority that suffered racist oppression at the hands of the dictatorship in China, this question is central for all of those fighting for a world free from capitalism. Nowhere is this question more pronounced than in Israel-Palestine, where our co-thinkers, Socialist Struggle Movement, as part of the International Socialist Alternative, are organising against the oppression of the Palestinians and for workers' unity across borders. But what are the challenges facing socialists in that part of the world? We have a speaker from Socialist Struggle, Tuval Klein, uh, and to introduce her, I will pass over to Yara Cliff. Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of Revolutionary Ideas, the podcast from Socialist Alternative. This time we're going to discuss Israel-Palestine and we're going to talk about the national question there and also how socialist activists are actually working on the ground there in this highly volatile environment and what they're putting forward. And for that purpose, we're joined today with Tuval Klein, who is a member of Socialist Alternative's sister organisation in Israel and Palestine, which is called Socialist Struggle. Tuval has been a socialist activist in Israel and Palestine for the last decade or so, and she's also a member of Tel Aviv University's Students for Climate, so she's done a lot of student work as well, which I think would be really interesting. So I'm going to give you a very, very difficult task to start with, Duval. Um, and I'm going to ask you to give us a quick run through of the political situation in Israel-Palestine, if you think you can do that. Well, can I? I mean, I think two hours wouldn't be enough to do that. The situation is really complicated. Uh, when the national question is, of course, a major concern. However, as the basis for the formation of the Israeli state was around a Jewish state that would be a so-called safe haven for Jewish people everywhere, there are many other ethnic groups like Jewish Russian speakers, Jewish people from uh, Ethiopian um, descent, uh, Jewish people from Arab descent that also experienced oppression. And uh, in general, the Israeli working class in itself is poor, it suffers from bad living conditions, of course not similar to the terrible situation of Palestinians that live in the occupied West Bank or besieged Gaza, but um, it's also not easy. The uh, high cost of living, um, uh, housing crisis, things that I think will probably be familiar to people in uh, the UK as well. And I can't really go into the whole history of the region, but needless to say that Western imperialism and colonialism have taken their toll on the whole of the Middle East and uh, uh, the area of Israel-Palestine included. And the terrible consequences of the formation of the state of Israel saw so the Nakba, which is the catastrophe of the Palestinian people, the expulsion of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians from their homes to that to this day live in refugee camps in Gaza and the West Bank, as well as in Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria. Uh, most of Jewish Israelis today do not have another citizenship at the same time. I mean, they speak Hebrew as a mother tongue. This is their home. So it's a very complicated situation. And the fight to end the bloodshed and the oppression of Palestinians, for that reason, has to be able to provide a solution that will um, address the needs of both of these groups. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I also think that 
because of how capitalism works and how it's kind of there to maintain the interests of the ruling class, the interests of profit, rather than the interests of actual working people, like you said. I think they don't really have an interest in solving this conflict, do they? Like, um, they're benefiting from it. We, we, we see the oppression. Um, like, I know it, it's very kind of trendy to say that all Israelis are benefiting from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But the truth is that some people are benefiting from it, which is the ruling class in Israel. Um, but working people in Israel are not actually benefiting from it. And I think the role of capitalism in there is very, very clear. And like you say, the only way to actually solve it is to be democratic about it. And the only way to be democratic about it is to have the control of the working class uh, over uh, those decisions. And I was wondering, um, because Mavak Socialisti have been around for a couple of decades now, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you and the organization are doing in Israel-Palestine? Well, what, what are the kind of things that you're pushing for? What kind of um, campaigns you're involved in? So, um, of course, we're involved in the fight against occupation, siege, um, and all types of racism. Um, as, I mean, I, as, I mean, as I mentioned before, it's not the only form of injustice or racism uh, that people here experience, the racism against uh, um, Palestinians. Uh, and um, our main mission is to build a socialist force of both Jewish and Palestinian people that can end all of these oppressions, whether it be police brutality towards Jewish people of Ethiopian descent, um, which I mean also uh, Palestinians that live inside Israel experience. Um, so, I mean, it's different groups that experience this, but they both suffer from maybe not the same, but similar uh, kind of uh, oppressions and uh, also gender and LGBTQ violence and discrimination or um, other types of oppression, like, I don't know, exploitation of the environment. Um, and so what we do is we try to link between these struggles uh, to say that these differing forms of exploitation and oppression have something in common. They're aimed first and foremost towards the working class on both sides of the national divide. And they're implemented by the Israeli regime, which serves the interests of a narrow elite. Um, and we're trying to build a force that is able to combine, I mean, these struggles and kind of give it a working class basis and explain that it's not, um, that it's the same government that's doing all of these things and it's because that's their agenda, you know, to um, uh, promote this different types of oppression to make sure that there's this hierarchy where maybe you're supposed to be thankful that you're not under siege or whatever, but you're still, um, struggling to make uh, ends meet. And so, yeah, to fight capitalism, we need to unite as working people. So that means both Jewish people and Palestinian people and our activity in general reflects this idea. And I actually, I want to give an example, a concrete example. So when a Palestinian worker was, uh, worked in the supermarket, he was beaten up by uh, um, sort of a police force um, a few people that were out of uniform outside the shop in central Tel Aviv. 
And what we did is after this happened, we made the connection to the wider struggle against police brutality and we organized a protest and invited the family of a young man from Jewish Ethiopian descent who was murdered by police. And so these are two groups that usually don't um, uh, fight alongside each other because of the national divide and all of these different uh, uh, complications, but uh, this was uh, for us very important and we think that these links are very important to create because they reveal the way that the capitalist system works based on exploiting all of us and dividing and ruling for profit. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really, really good point, especially because, you know, a lot of the questions that we often get are to do with, you know, like, you are a bit too naive if you think that Israelis and Palestinians are going to work together. And I think that those kind of struggles show like th th this one and ones that, you know, uh, to do with housing in certain um, mixed neighborhoods or in factories where there are both Jewish and Palestinian workers. Those kind of struggles show that through struggle, you can find the commonality and you can see that even even if you look at the kind of national divide, which is really deep and nobody's going to, there's no, nobody's saying that it's going to be easy. Um, you can still fight together and you can still find those points of contact that kind of, you know, I'm sure the people that were involved in this struggle kind of have a new perspective on how to fight together. Yeah, I mean, actually the example that I usually give when talking to, you know, mostly Jewish Israelis that I meet in uh, Tel Aviv and the area. Um, uh, the example that I usually give is of a factory in uh, Haifa, which is a mixed city um, in the north of Israel. Um, it's called Haifa Chemicals, and uh, there were work, Jewish and Palestinian workers uh, fighting side by side for their uh, rights. And um, the Jewish workers were quite right-wing. I mean, they were... Um, Avid Likud voters, Likud is uh, Netanyahu's uh, party, and um, they uh, ended up fighting for the Palestinian workers who were on like a lower pay grade, a lower grade or level or whatever, and because they realized that if the, this basically allows the management to drive down all of the working conditions in the factory. And so they were fighting alongside each other. They were still right wing. They weren't convinced on the ideas of socialism. But after six months, this was one of the longest strikes, I think, in Israel, or at least at the time. And um, uh, after six months, they actually, some of them did move to the left, or at least uh, were convinced on certain points. And I think that uh, this shows how uh, um, the kind of united common consciousness that you develop during a working uh, uh, people's struggle something that uh, definitely has potential, especially in an area that is so divided, like uh, the Middle East, specifically Israel-Palestine. Yeah, and I think that's, that's super inspirational as well to see that, because obviously the national divide in Israel and Palestine is deep. No, nobody is claiming otherwise. And I think that, you know, we always talk about like in kind of like Marxist circles, how consciousness shifts with the objective um, situation and we see that and you know during workers struggles in the UK as well um, pe people's consciousness moves forward when they see how management deals with um, with the issues when they see how 
society is built through their struggle. And I think that that also applies to any other type of oppression uh, when you experience it, when you see kind of the common ground that you have, it's stronger than the national divide at the end of the day. Um, but I think um, th these are obviously really inspirational points and uh, like things that have happened, but I'm sure that working and being an activist in a place so divided like Israel-Palestine is going to bring a lot of um, obstacles and a lot of struggles. And I was wondering if uh, you kind of can tell us a little bit about how I like that those kind of struggles that you have as an as a socialist activist in a country like Israel Palestine. Okay, so I will answer your question, but first I do have to say that I I always feel a bit uncomfortable saying this because for Palestinian activists, whether it be in the occupied territories or Palestinians that live in Israel, I mean it's it's much more difficult. The levels of violence that you experience and um yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's different uh, to what I experienced. But I do have to say that being a leftist in Israel, a socialist, um, is difficult. Opposing the occupation here is difficult. There's lots of incitement against the left. Um, and it's also, it's very weak, uh, not to mention the socialist left, which is practically inexistent. Um, it's very different here than in protests in the UK where you would have quite a few socialist organizations from different trends trying to sell their paper. I mean, here it's not really like that. Um, but also another thing is that in general, like in society, there is very low class consciousness where in a society where the ethnic uh, oppressions are so diverse as well. I mean, uh, the the way that people usually identify themselves is first by like where they're from and only after that would i mean people don't really identify themselves as working class at least not like they do in the uk and i think that there's also a lack of anti-capitalist awareness which makes it hard to build on like towards socialist consciousness um and um yeah and i think that the history of uh, uh working people's struggles, it's, it's not the same as in Europe. Um, and I think that also that uh, the kind of artificial divide uh, that is drawn by some activists as well between issues makes it difficult. It's like a, an apolitical mood amongst some leftist activists that feel this incitement and hatred among society and think that the best way of tackling this is to just pretend like issues like the occupation don't exist and that they, it should be like a single issue struggle. So that's also quite hard. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the biggest kind of um, social movement, like in, uh, in 2011 was real, like a really good indication. So um, in 2011, there were hundreds of thousands on the streets protesting every single day. Um, and I think then it was very, very clear how kind of ignoring those issues of the national conflict is just not going to work for the left um, because it created even an even deeper divide between uh, Israel, the Jewish working class. Like this, the, the, these were working class struggles um, mainly brought on by the housing crisis in uh, Israel. And um, it's just, you know, this is an issue that also relates to Palestinians. Um, but 
you barely saw any Palestinians going on the streets, even though those were mass struggles in, in, on a level that hasn't been seen before in uh, Israel or Palestine. And it's just, it just kind of highlights how only this kind of united struggle of the working class across the region can win actual points because the struggle was kind of pushed away with all of with with uh, issues of national conflict as well and i think um this brings me on to the next question uh, that i have that um i'm sure that you've heard um about the question of kind of anti-semitism and that's that's been in the headlines in britain for quite a few years uh, since Corbyn became the leader of the Labour Party in 2015. And specifically, I think that it started a debate on whether criticizing the state of Israel um, and, and its actions against the Palestinians, um, whether, whether the, the act of criticizing the state of Israel is in itself anti-Semitism. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts about that. Um, and also, uh, it would be interesting to, to know if uh, this this was in the headlines in Israel as well uh, in regards to Corbyn. Yeah, it's quite funny, actually. I mean, um, my dad, for example, would say things like, oh, yeah, Corbyn, he's a great anti-Semite. And I'd ask him, I mean, why? Why do you think that? And he'd just say, well, it was, it was on the news, you know? Um, yeah, the media here loved that story because it builds on this narrative where uh, everybody is anti-Semitic abroad and they're just, um, you know, they're just criticizing us uh, because they hate Jewish people. And it kind of, in a way, it helped uh, strengthen the, the government's propaganda where it's like, yeah, we're defending a... a we're defending the Jewish people against all the haters or whatever. So it's quite, um, it's quite problematic, especially because I think that uh, the allegations against Corbyn were completely unbased. And it seems like, I mean, I'm sure the Labour Party isn't separated from uh, society. And so I'm sure that there's many issues of racism there as well as anti-Semitism. But I really don't think that that was the way to address it. And um, yeah, I mean, in general, this like idea that you can't criticize the state of Israel because that's anti-Semitism. I'm sure that you get that a lot being uh, an Israeli Jewish <laughs> person uh, living in, uh, yeah, uh, in Europe. But um, I mean, you know, I was talking before about incitement against the left in Israel and against people who criticize the occupation. And I think that uh, this idea that you can't criticize what the Israeli government is doing, that's hurting us as activists who are really isolated. And these actions of solidarity, I mean, um, they're important. They're important the, both for Palestinians and Jewish people that are fighting against the, the occupation. Um, and so, yeah, I do think that the, the Israeli government needs to be criticized. Um, and uh, I think that it can be done. I mean, its actions are criminal. They're endangering my life. They're endangering uh, my friends' and family's lives, not only the people in Gaza who are obviously, especially now around the coronavirus crisis, are. I can't even imagine what kind of suffering, but still, I mean, it needs to be addressed that 
the Israeli government isn't hurting only Palestinians, it's also hurting Jewish pe people. So definitely I think that uh, it's a good thing that there's um, these acts of solidarity abroad with the Palestinian people. To me, I see that as acts of solidarity with me as well, as a leftist activist, socialist. I think that's a really, really important point um, and a really interesting one as well. I think that's something that's kind of slipping um, away when we talk about anti-Semitism here in the UK because I think it's it's very easy and I feel like maybe maybe that's a bit controversial but I think that that in itself is bordering on anti-Semitic to just assume that all the Jewish people are going to support the state of Israel and all the Jewish people are going to be Zionists because we know that that's not true <laughs> we know that there's uh, activists like you um, like me uh, like our organization in Israel-Palestine, but not just us um, uh, who are fighting and who are Israeli or Jewish around the world, who are fighting against the policies of the Israeli government, fighting against any capitalist government around the world that are oppressing workers and oppressing people based on national divides, but also otherwise. Um, and I think that that's, that's also really important to, to say that like, if we're saying, which obviously the the definition of anti-Semitism that was put forward and I uh, you know that Corbyn and the Labour Party were so um, kind of witch-hunted about is, is, is one that was supported and pushed for by the Israeli government. And that, that is obviously, it's, it's kind of obvious why they would do that because it gives them the right to call anyone who disagrees with them on a political level anti-Semitic. And that includes Israeli and Jewish activists like yourself. Um, I'm also anti-Semitic. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, self-hating Jew, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's uh, that, I think that, that that's actually a really good point. That you know, even Sanders in the U in the US was called anti-Semitic, despite the fact that he is in fact Jewish and his parents escaped Nazi Germany. Um, because it's, it's if you're it's, not our kind of Jewish, then you're not really Jewish, are you? Yeah, and it's it's you know it's 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 a right wing propaganda rather than an actual attempt to address anti-Semitism that definitely exists in every party. But to be fair, mostly on the right, which is generally more racist. Um, but you don't hear the media. Yeah, by the way, I mean, uh, like Netanyahu is friends with all the neo-Nazis, all <laughs> the anti-Semites, just, you know, you can't get enough of it and nobody's criticizing him for it. But these are people that actually started anti-Semitic campaigns like Orban against uh, uh, George Soros and stuff like that. I mean, uh, no, it's, uh, it's just ridiculous, really. So I wanted to ask you on kind of like maybe a more theoretical question on the position that socialists should and have taken uh, to the national conflict or national question in Israel-Palestine. And I was wondering if, if we're talking about that, that national question, do we support a Palestinian state? And if so, why do we do that? Because uh, as socialists, we don't, we are nationalists. We don't support borders. Uh, so I want to know what you think about that. I think that uh, as socialists, we don't uh, support borders. I mean, we believe in a world without borders, and that's what we are fighting for in the long term. But uh, Palestinians right now are suffering from oppression stemming from the fact 
that they do not have their own state and they're fighting to have uh, uh, the right to nationally, like, for national determination. And they're fighting to be able to achieve their rights, like the right to return, like the right for um, decent house, housing, decent living conditions, things like that as well. And these all fall under the fact that right now they live in refugee camps and are refused the right to uh, determine themselves and the right to govern themselves. And so that's why we support uh, a Palestinian state and we support the Palestinian struggle and we believe uh, that uh, it's uh, crucial uh, to be able to achieve uh, liberation for the Palestinian masses in order to achieve uh, uh, socialism in the region, also in Israel. Um, and uh, the thing is that we won't be able to achieve uh, socialism without uh, solving the national conflict, but we won't be able to solve the national conflict without, so, uh, without uh, building socialist forces uh, that uh, offer a political program that uh, can arm uh, both Jewish and Palestinian masses with uh, uh, the way forward, how to um, achieve, uh, you know, um, peace, but also prosperity and, uh, and a good education and healthcare and welfare and all of these things. Um, so I really agree with that, but also think this brings me on to another important question, the annexation plan that, um, has been talked about a lot, I think in the news. And I wanted to know, first of all, what, what does it even mean? How is it different to the situation right now? We're talking about annexation now. It's important to say that in a few hours' time, the situation could be completely different. It could change. We've been getting these updates about the annexation the past few days and weeks. It's important to say that even now, as we speak, I don't think that even Netanyahu himself knows exactly what he wants. And it's important because people also here in, in Israel, you know, Jewish people as well who hear this propaganda all the time are not sure what exactly, what is this plan? What is an, an annexation? What Netanyahu has said, he has said that he will not give citizenship to Palestinians that are being, uh, uh, that, you know, that live in annexed areas, which basically means that the current situation of apartheid and uh, a colonial rule of, of the West Bank um, will, will continue, but in a formal way. So the annexation is a very, very uh, uh, dangerous plan that um, uh, we, we have to oppose. And we've, uh, uh, there has already started a coalition of organizations against the annexation, which uh, led a protest last week, which we participated in, both uh, Jewish uh, people and Palestinian people. And uh, uh, there are plans for a, a continuation of the struggle, which will be involved uh, in. And uh, it's very important uh, for us at this uh, uh, stage to make sure that uh, within Israel, uh, there is as much resistance to this plan as possible, because this could, um, such an unstable government could, will have problems uh, um, implementing such a, uh, such a plan if there is serious resistance uh, on the ground. So it's one of our missions for the next uh, weeks. And I think the, 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 those protests that you talked about were really big and really inspiring, I think, um, especially in the context of coronavirus. And I think 
we've had protests all around the world um, uh, on different subjects. I think this one in particular was really inspiring because, you know, this this question of the annexation didn't come out of nowhere, did it? Like, what, why why do you think this is the time that Netanyahu is speaking about this? Um, so it's it's a serious question. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers because I do think that this plan has been opposed and resisted by various forces, not only on the left and. Uh, uh, not not only by socialists, but also um, forces uh, from uh, Netanyahu's regime or from the ruling class in general that have opposed this for different reasons. So you do have a right-wing resistance to this because the um, right-wing settler organizations are so uh, fanatical that they refuse the puppet state that is offered to the Palestinians is called a state. And despite having absolutely no autonomy, you know, no control of the borders, no ability to defend itself, nothing. But they refuse, uh, they, they oppose the plan because they refuse to let Palestinians have anything that is called a state. Netanyahu has tried to convince them by saying, yeah, we'll call it a state. But yeah, so there's that. There's also obviously the forces within the ruling class that realize that this is a real problem for them because it might ignite mass resistance. And we've seen the protests in Lebanon as well. And we've seen um, what uh, uh, even regimes in the area have been pushed into because they can't possibly accept that they have their own problems within the uh, Jordanian regime. They can't, uh, they have um, millions of Palestinians living within Jordan and they can't just allow it to, you know, they don't care about the Palestinians, but they can't allow it to, uh, to just uh, uh, to happen. So they've said uh, that they will cancel the peace uh, agreement with Israel, which is a serious issue for the ruling class as well. And also the Sunni um, regimes uh, that uh, Israel has had secret, but not so secret ties with. Uh, over the <laughs> last few years have said that this will jeopardize their relationship uh, that was built with them. So that's also an issue for the ruling class. And then obviously you have um, working class uh, Israelis that realize that this is really dangerous and that Netanyahu is leading, um, leading us uh, into a situation where, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, um, Netanyahu is leading us to a situation where we 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 would suffer severely from the consequences because uh, um, this is not a peace plan. This is a war plan. Uh, he's going to ignite the whole area. So, yeah, there are many uh, Jewish Israelis uh, that want to fight alongside Palestinians to make sure that this uh, doesn't uh, doesn't happen. And uh, that's uh, what we believe is that only the masses have the power to really. Uh, uh, stop this. We should not rely on these uh, uh, um, liberal forces in the, the ruling class or whatever. We, um, they, their reasoning is different to ours. We, su we support uh, uh, working class interests, uh, but uh, we don't care about their business interests and the oil and fighting Iran and all of that. So, yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I think I completely, completely agree with that. And I think it's also, you know, 
because of how right now we have a certain situation on the ground and there's a kind of animosity, uh, even though the working class is one international working class, no matter where it is, there's still this animosity that exists between the Israeli working class and the Palestinian working class. And it's completely understandable because um, both of those uh, working class uh, areas have been under attack for so long and have been had the divide and rule tactics uh, on them for so, so long. It makes sense. And especially with this bloody conflict um, that has had real tangible violent effect, effects on both the Israeli working class and the Palestinian working class. So obviously we want to connect between the working classes. And I think that if there was a situation uh, where you know, the Israeli working class and the Palestinian working class found uh, kind of the unity that's needed, would you still think that we need a separate Palestinian state? So I think that uh, part, of what, uh, part, part of what we're building, part of a political program is that uh, these things are dynamic, that movements erupt. And we've seen that happen with the Black Lives Matter movement, which has swept the entire world, basically, including the UK, all continents. And so we know that consciousness can change during struggle. So yes, I mean, if the consciousness changes and if we see that uh, uh, the demands change and that uh, Palestinian and Jewish people are actually um, uh, bridging the gap that exists nowadays and uh, uh, then I think that we'll have to update our program, which we do all the time. And in such a situation, possibly a one-state solution could be the uh, better way to move forward toward uh, towards a, a federation of the Middle East and uh, you know a Middle East with no borders and uh, no uh, national conflicts and all of that. But uh, right now, the situation is that. Uh, uh, to bridge over this animosity, this is what we need to build and gain trust um, to make sure that Palestinians are able to uh, achieve uh, uh, their demands and their rights, but at the same time to make sure that we, um, we reach out to the Jewish-Israeli uh, masses and, uh, and uh, explain to them why they should support, in fact, the Palestinian struggle and why uh, th it's actually in their best interest to support it. And uh, this is our uh, task and it's not an easy one, but uh, that's uh, what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I think a really important point that you made is that we don't stop there. We don't just say we need a Palestinian state and that's it, that, that all of the problems are going to be solved because even for, like you said, even for the Israeli Jewish working class, there's still a lot of issues under an Israeli state because the state is a capitalist state. And yes, the capitalist system uses those national divides, those ethnic divides, and all of the other uh, plenty of divides that exist, especially in Israel and Palestine, but all over the world. Um, the, the, the capitalist class uses them to their own interests and to lower wages, to create uh, divides that actually hurt the working class all over the world. But so, so just creating a Palestinian state is not going to solve it. It has to be a socialist state. It has to be a socialist state right next to an Israeli socialist state. Um, and, and only from that can we build this federation of the Middle East and build bridge over this animosity. 
Definitely, I completely agree. And I also want to add that I think that it's not just that capitalism feeds off of as you know, the national conflict and its ability to use it to divide and rule, it's also incapable of solving it. And so some sections, as I said before, you know, some sections of the, uh, the capitalist ruling class actually would like to solve the conflict in a way where there is a puppet uh, Palestinian state or maybe with less or more uh, authority and autonomy, but basically still a subjugated state. Um, subjugated economically and politically, and it's not within their powers to uh, to reach a peace agreement that actually fulfills Palestinians' demands because of many reasons. One of which is their lack of ability to, uh, you know, Palestinians have demand the right to return, and so that means that they will need to build lots of public housing, but that's not going to happen under this current government. They don't even build public housing for Jewish people, which they, you know, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they prefer. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, not prefer. They discriminate against whoever is not Jewish, but they also don't uh, provide Jewish uh, working class people's needs. So, yeah. And so there's that, but there's also the demographic issue where, like you said before, people uh, in the ruling class, they don't want Palestinians to have the right to vote because, I mean, what will happen then? How will they secure power? So there's all these issues. There's many more. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, I want to ask you, because we talked a lot about the power of international solidarity and how the working class is one working class in Israel or Palestine or the UK. And... I know that a lot of activists here in the UK really want to find ways to help and a lot of them go uh, to the boycott and divestment kind of BDS movement and I wanted to ask you what what do you think about the BDS movement and what is effective solidarity? So I don't think it's a black and white uh, question or answer but um, we as socialists support uh, certain uh, uh, boycotting campaigns, such as boycotting the settlements, which is a campaign that also exists uh, in Israel. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, and um, there used to be a time where it was very popular, this campaign. Now it's not as much because there are other issues, uh, such as uh, the struggle against the annexation, which we've discussed and stuff like that. But still, uh, we do support certain boycotts. We do not support, you know, like a blanket boycott or however you say it, or like boycotting everything that comes from Israel, boycotting uh, academia and stuff like that. Why? Because we believe that uh, it stems from a wrong analysis of how the apartheid in uh, South Africa ended. Um, we believe that uh, in the the unique sort of uh, political climate uh, within Israel where Jewish people, despite being the oppressor for, uh, you know, um, despite being on the side of the oppressor for uh, many years, have uh, this um, consciousness, have this idea of what happened during the Holocaust and of anti-Semitism. You've seen that in the UK, the influences of uh, of this uh, sort of consciousness because Jewish people were prosecuted for, uh, for, for, for thousands of years uh, uh, and um, because of the horrors of the Holocaust. 
Jewish people in Israel are scared. And we believe that uh, the promoting like a blanket boycott uh, kind of drives them into the hands of, uh, into the arms of Netanyahu and, uh, and the right, which say, yeah, uh, people abroad, they're all anti-Semites. They all, they hate us. This is why we need Israel, a strong state and a strong army. And for us, uh, we think that it complicates the issue. And so I think that uh, solidarity uh, protests and vigils and marches with uh, Palestinian people are very, uh, very much um, uh, seen here and felt here. And as leftists in Israel, obviously it's not the same as, uh, um, uh, as, as you know, fighting the occupation in the West Bank or in Gaza, but it's 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 uh, not an easy atmosphere for leftists in Israel e either. And uh, we've had you know members who were physically beaten demonstrations and stuff. And so these solidarity protests with Palestinians are also something for us to um, get inspiration from and feel the solidarity. But uh, we believe that uh, the real key for solving the conflict is mass struggle here, uh, which is uh, why we're building um, our forces uh, here. We also believe that the wide uh, mass movements around the world have an influence. And I think that the Black Lives Matter protests proved this. They proved how much power uh, one mass uh, movement in one country can have. And uh, that's what, uh, what, what can really help here, you know, as socialists in the UK, building your forces, working towards solidarity with Palestinians, but also working towards uh, building a mass movement against capitalism, against imperialism, against racism, uh, in, uh, uh, against Islamophobia in the UK is something that can really, really help us. And I think that's the, one of the main things that can uh, uh, drive real change here in the Middle East. Yeah, and I think, I think those are really, really good points, especially because I think you mentioned a little bit about kind of the analysis of uh, the fall of uh, apartheid in South Africa. And I think that there's a major difference that people sometimes ignore that in South Africa, the black communities, the majority of the people in Israel and Palestine, Palestinians aren't the majority. Jewish Israelis are. So if we want to kind of get to the position of liberation for Palestinian people, we kind of have to have uh, the support of the Israeli working class as well. And I think that is something, obviously, uh, we, like, it, it's something that's not going to be easy to do, but I think it can definitely happen with that international solidarity when people fight against Islamophobia and also fight against anti-Semitism, when people show that it's not just, you know, a decision made because people hate Jews or are persecuting Jews. It's because of an analysis of the way the state of Israel, rather than the working class in Israel, are treating the Palestinians and also treating the working class in Israel itself. And that way, yeah, I completely agree that like the left in Israel can feel very, very isolated. Um, and seeing those uh, solidarity protests and solidarity kind of symbols are really, really useful. But when, you know, um, when you see them completely detached from the fight that you're fighting and the left in Israel is fighting, it kind of fails to make that connection of 
united and a united struggle with Israeli the Israeli working class and the Palestinian working class, which is essential uh, for um, li the liberation of Palestinian people. Definitely, I agree. And I also want to say that the heroic struggle of the black masses in South Africa, along with uh, um, you know, certain uh, uh, sections of the white working class there, was what achieved the end of apartheid. 100%. And yeah, and here and uh, in Israel, Palestine, in the Middle East, we have to solve our own issues. We can't rely on European Union or European movements to solve our issues here. That's why we have to make sure that we continue on building our forces despite the difficulties and um, make sure that we build a, a Jewish-Palestinian force people fighting together to end uh, uh, the occupation and the siege and the horrors of, uh, uh, of them. So, yeah. Thank you to both of our speakers for that fantastic discussion. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please take that extra step and get involved with Socialist Alternative today. For our website, go to socialistalternative.net Go to Facebook and type Socialist Alternative ISA England, Wales and Scotland. On Instagram, we are socialistalternative.ews and we also have TikTok, which is socialist underscore vids. Please make sure to follow and share us on all of these platforms. Please send our second episode again to your friends, family, workmates and so on. We hope to see you again soon on our next episode, which will be on the life and ideas of the Russian revolutionary Leon Trotsky. Thank you for tuning in. Take care.